Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today in 1982, Charles Self was brutally murdered in his Dublin home. Forty years later, the case remains unsolved. Frank Graney, who you'll know as Today FM's courts correspondent, is taking another look at the case in the second series of the award-winning News Talk podcast, Inside the Crime. And Frank is with us now. How are you, Frank? I'm good, lads. Thanks for having us. So tell us about Charles Self. Charles Self was an Englishman born in 1949. Um, his mother died when he was just a boy and uh, his aunt took him in. He was raised by his aunt. His father was a soldier in the British Army, but Charles moved to Scotland when he was a young man. He identified as a Scotsman and a proud Scotsman at that. Um, he was very into the arts and he became a set designer and a very talented one at that. He worked for the BBC, but in the 1970s he was recruited, headhunted by the then head of design at RT, a man called Alpha O'Reilly, who convinced him to move to Dublin and to work on RTE and he quickly climbed the ladder there he became the main set designer on the Late Late Show and just weeks before he was murdered he worked on a Twink Christmas special it was a huge success the man was in line for more work um, he was in line for a pay rise and all of that was snuffed out on the morning of the 21st of January 1982 he was strangled and stabbed to death he suffered a horrendous killing uh, on that morning in his home in Monkstown and his killer has never been found Right, so then that's the the reason that this case is the one, the subject of this podcast, is because of the fact that even now, what are we, 40 years on, and we still don't know what happened. So what was your approach to this story then? Because retelling it is one thing, but presumably you want to you dive in and find out maybe where the holes are. Absolutely. You've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, with season one, and it's very different to season one because by the end of season one, you know, somebody has been held accountable and is mm. prosecuted for what happened to Sharon Whelan and the girls. And that focused not on just on their story, um, but also on like sentencing regime in Ireland. And when we were looking at season two, we wanted to do um, an unsolved story um, because we wanted to hopefully advance a case and to focus on that. And Charles' uh, story was crying out to be told. We kind of felt that with the passage of time, you know, it's 40 years ago now, but Charles Self had been kind of forgotten about for lots of reasons. You have to remember that 1982 was a memorable year for all of the wrong reasons. You had Malcolm MacArthur and the Gubu murders. You had Declan Flynn, who was killed in Fairview Park, and he's, his killing and the fact that his killers walked free afterwards. Declan Flynn was also a gay man. Charles Self, an openly gay man. Declan Flynn, not so much. He was killed while cruising in Fairview Park in, in North Dublin. And when his killers walked free, you know, the gay community really galvanised after that and mm. they said enough is enough because he was the third gay man to be killed that year. Charles Self was the first. But we wanted to focus on on Charles's story because we really felt digging into it, looking at the research, having a look at the files, speaking to his nearest and dearest, speaking to some retired detectives, that there were so many leads left behind by yeah, his yeah. killer. And it's incredible as, as you listen through, and there are five episodes. The first one came out last week. The second one comes out tomorrow morning. And as you follow us on our journey, you'll, you'll see us pulling at the threads of some of the evidence. And it's incredible what leads weren't adequately followed up on, in our opinion. Right. Yeah. And tell us, what do we know about the day it happened? We know from one of the contributors and a very good friend of his, a man called Bill Maher, who deserves huge credit for essentially being the only one beating the drum mm. all these years later, trying to get his case uh, reopened. We know that they had lunch together in the Bailey, just a short walk from where we are here in Marconi House. And it was one at the time 
it was one of only a handful of gay-friendly bars because you have to remember that in 1982, again, just 40 years ago, but it feels like a million years ago because in 1982, it was illegal to be gay. Well, it wasn't illegal to be gay, but the sexual act between Mm. gay men was illegal. So it was essentially the same thing. Now, the Bailey was one of these so-called gay-friendly bars. Bill met with um, um, his friend Charles Self uh, on that afternoon for a few cheeky tipples again Charles was in flying form he was, in due for a pay. he was due for a pay rise he was due to go back to RT and have a meeting with his boss about that he did that, that was the last time Bill Maher saw him alive. Now we know that he went back to the Muse in Monktown, he lit a fire um, but he decided to go back into town he went back to the Bailey, he went to Barclay Dunn's he went to a few gay friendly bars around Dublin he went to a takeaway on Burkey and then he was spotted at a public toilets on Burkey They've since been demolished, but they were a known cruising spot for gay men at the time. We know that he got a taxi back from Burkey uh, with a mystery man, um, a man that we really feel um, holds the key to figuring out what happened to Charles. The taxi driver came forward in, in the aftermath, a man called Patrick Shanley, and he gave a very good description of this man who was sitting in the back of the taxi, 25 years of age, neatly dressed. He was wearing a two-piece suit. He had fair hair. It was brushed back, collar-length hair, medium build. And he went back to the Muse that night at about 12.40. Now, Charles was killed sometime between 12.40 a.m. and 8.45 a.m. There was somebody else staying in the house with him that night, a colleague of his, a man called Bertie Tyra. Um, Charles Self lived with Vincent Hanley, who at the time was a very well-known DJ in Ireland. He was working with Capital Radio in London at the time. Uh, Bertie Tyra was was staying in the house because the weather was very bad in in Dublin at that time and he couldn't get home. Bertie came down the stairs at 8.45am and he found Charles at the bottom of the stairs. Charles had been strangled. He'd been stabbed 14 times. It was a ferocious, frenzied attack. And as we say, 40 years on, we still don't know who did it? Mm. And was that unusual? By the sounds of it, it was a, you know, quite a violent death. Um, and the fact that somebody was upstairs and slept through the whole thing. Yes, and what Bertie had to tell Gardaí um, provided them with their first lead. Um, Bertie hadn't heard anything, but at about two o'clock in the morning, so you know, a little under an hour and a half after Charles came home somebody came into his room that night. Now, he turned on the light um, or opened the door that he was silhouetted by the light out in the hallway. So Bertie was able to give um, a pretty good description of this person. He said he had dark, curly hair. So that was obviously at variance with this Mm. mystery man in the taxi who came home with Charles that night. He said that he spoke in a West Brit accent. He was well-spoken West Brit accent. This person has also never been found. Bertie himself was a designer. So he drew a sketch of this person. He provided that to the Gardaí. An identikit was also drawn up on the back of the description given by the taxi driver of this mystery man who came home that night with Charles. Neither the identikit or the sketch have ever been published. We want to know and we do ask through the podcast series, why not? We Mm. thought that they would have been very helpful. If not then, now 40 years on as a Hail Mary of sorts that somebody out there, we are convinced that somebody out there knows something, has some information that could finally bring Charles's killer out of the shadows. And throughout the podcast, we're making that appeal. Listen to the hurt felt by the likes of Bill Maher and another friend of his, Christine Falls, Alan Farkerson, another man who worked with them that have given up their time very generously to tell us about Charles. And you can hear through the five, five podcasts the hurt that they still feel and the fact that 
he still hasn't really been able to mm. truly rest in peace. What is the story with you and Christine Falls? Because you wanted to meet her to, to get an insight into her opinion on the case and her experience and her friendship. Uh, but what was the story with trying to track her down? This this is an incredible story, a spooky tale almost. Um, we had been spending a number of weeks looking for this woman, Christine Falls, because, I mean, it's 40 years ago now, so it was it was difficult to find people who knew and, and worked, Charles. Mm. We, we did and we were successful. Unfortunately, we couldn't find family members because that was a complicated situation over in the UK with his mother having passed away when he was, when he was a young boy, his father having remarried. Um, but everyone was saying to us that we needed to speak to this woman, Christine Falls. Have you, you've spoken to Christine, haven't you? Christine Falls, Christine Falls. We're like, no, we couldn't track her down. We couldn't get a number for her. Nobody had a number for her. In, in 1982, nobody had mobile phones. It yeah. was three years before mobile phones came to, came to Ireland. And we, we had just, we'd given up. We'd essentially given up. And there was a street party for my neighbours where I live in Dublin City. And it was a gorgeous day back in June and I went out, beers were had, pizzas were brought <laughs> and just an opportunity, I suppose, to get to know your neighbours. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've come out of, the, of a pandemic, so like jumped at the opportunity. Lady comes over, introduced herself to the group as Christine and um, I thought nothing of it. Why would I? And as the conversation went on, she started talking about time that she'd spent living in Belfast and how with her surname that caused problems in certain parts of the city. Mm. I asked her what her surname was. Falls. Christine that was her. Falls. I almost fell off the chair. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. And I, I took a moment because we were surrounded by other neighbours and I yeah. didn't want to seem like a complete weirdo. But <laughs> as, as soon as the opportunity presented itself, I just asked her, did you just say your name was Christine Falls? And clearly she looked puzzled, she looked frightened and she said that she was um, reluctantly accepted that was her name. And um, I told her what I was doing and she just, she cut me off and she knew exactly what I wanted to talk really? to her about. She just said, yeah, Charles. I said, yes. Wow. And she came across the avenue and spent hours drinking cups of coffee and just talking about Charles. And, and she features heavily in, in the podcast series. And again, you know, for people like Christine Falls and for people like Bill Maher and Alan Farkasen, you know, it's difficult to dredge up all of that trauma again. To and move past, of course. A, a, absolutely. But, you know, they did trust that we were doing this with a greater purpose in mind. And if that means that we can hopefully appeal to somebody's conscience all these years later, somebody who may have been fearful of coming forward in 1982, because mm. remember, again, you know, gay people were being prosecuted back then. So somebody out there may have had information. This mystery man in the taxi may have had information but we're reluctant to come forward for fear of being prosecuted for being gay. Right. So we, we really do think that there's somebody out there that has something that can move this investigation forward. Are you aware when you make these series that not only are you investigating and kind of bring, you know, shining a light on, on a crime that uh, needs a light shone on it, are you aware, though, that what you do could ultimately result in the killer being caught? That's the hope. I mean, there has to be a greater purpose for these types of things. I mean, it was the same when, you know, I wrote the book about Patricia O'Connor. Mm -hmm. You know, there has to be a greater purpose other than just telling this dreadful tale because mm -hmm. all that will do is, you know, re-traumatize people. There has to be a greater purpose. And my goodness, I mean, you know, from covering cases for the last 10 years or so, 
you would be amazed how many times the smallest piece of information, what somebody might think is the most insignificant piece of information, proves to be the golden nugget that unlocks everything else. Mm. So, you know, somebody might be out there sitting down thinking, oh my goodness, I should have come forward then. I couldn't because of X, Y, Z. Ash, look, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. You'd be surprised. You'd be amazed. When you place that piece into the puzzle, it can solve everything. Mm. So it would be incredible for Charles, for his memory, for his friends, for his family, for the gay community, if somebody was to come forward and advance that, it would know be fantastic. In the podcast, obviously, you'll give all your details and that people get in touch. But like now here on the radio, in case somebody hasn't, won't have a chance to listen to it right now the second, but if they think that maybe they know something, how will they get in touch? Well, for starters, there's the Guard the Confidential line, mm. 1800 treble six treble one. Now, I know people back in the 1980s, certainly in the gay community, were not comfortable coming forward to Angartha Shia Khanna back then. They can do so confidential, confidentially now. And I think it's fair to say that Angartha Shia Khanna is a much different and a far better police force now when it comes to dealing with these kinds of things. If people are still uncomfortable with going to Angartha Shia Khanna, and that should be their first port of call, then they can come directly to us. We will follow up on any leads, we will pass on any information to the Gardaí in a confidential way if people would prefer to, to do that mm. inside the crime at newstalk.com is a special email address that was set up for things just like that so okay. they can get in touch Second series of Inside the Crime that's the podcast, Frank Rainey is the host and uh, you can get that on the Go Loud app or wherever you get your podcasts. Frank Rainey, thank you very much for coming in best luck with everything, it's Dermot and Dave, it's Today FM Dermot and Dave, weekdays from 9am Today FM